Harlequin Produce, colorful, local, seasonal, certified organic produce since 2010. Find them on the web at www.harlequinorganicproduce.com. Hi, good morning. Welcome to Sustainable Wellness's podcast series on health and wellness. I'm your host, Jesse Thomas, and here with us today is Don DeLili, a naturopathic physician from Montana Whole Health. Hi, welcome, Don. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hi, yeah. everybody. Yeah. So, Don, tell us a little bit about you, your background as a person, and how you got involved in naturopathic care. Um, well, gosh, it's a, it's a big question, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually, it's actually a really good one. I think it's relevant for people to understand. Um, my interest in health and wellness developed really early. Like as a child, I started playing soccer when I was four years old, um, was always really interested in sports and I grew up in a family of doctors. My father was an anesthesiologist. My mom, she, she stayed at home with us, but her training was in, as a nurse anesthetist, my brothers went on to become physicians. It was just sort of the conversation in our household was very health-oriented. And even as a small child, I would sit on my dad's lap and watch videos of open-heart surgeries. I would dissect wow. fish when we would go fishing, and he would give me anatomy lessons. And so that interest was there for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. But conventional <laughs> medicine... Oh, sorry, there's a dog, dog on the podcast, too. <laughs> Part of life, right? Um, you know, conventional medicine was all that I knew existed Yeah, for at least 22 years. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was a conventional and an alternative to that conventional. And then because of my interest in sports, I always thought that I would be an orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. It was, it was just this one-pointed focus. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do orthopedics because it was really frustrating to me when I crushed an ankle and you know, went through rehab and, and the doctor was like, well, you you can walk again. Isn't that great? And I was like, well, walk wasn't the goal. I always assumed I would walk. What I want to do is perform. Yeah. And so um, then when I went to college, I went to Vanderbilt. Um, I just woke up one day and I said, I have no idea why, but I can't do that. And by that, I meant I can't spend the rest of my life with a white coat and a prescription pad and and I really had no other language for, for why I couldn't go down that path. But I ended up studying economics and math. And um, I moved to San Francisco when I graduated, which was the first time that I had learned that there was another approach to health and wellness. Um, I practiced yoga. I met acupuncturists. I met people who did massage therapy for a living. It, it, it in so many ways opened my world to possibilities that I had never conceived of, and it rekindled my interest in medicine. Mm -hmm. So I had a plan. I was going to go to medical school, and then I was going to go to India and study Ayurvedic medicine, and Mm -hmm. then I was going to go to China and study some Chinese medicine, Mm -hmm. and I declared to a good friend, like, I will find a way to practice medicine that is consistent with my values of holism. Yeah. And she said, why don't you just become a naturopathic physician? And I was like, wait, what, what is that word that you just used? <laughs> I've never heard it and I must know more. And so I went home and I did a Google search on naturopathic medicine and I cried to my roommates. Aww. And I was like, there is a system of medicine for people like me yeah. who believe in 
whole people and wellness and, um, and, and just sort of re- respecting a person's real goals, mm-hmm. which are not to be okay, but to be good. Yeah, yeah. And so that's how I got into naturopathic medicine. I mean, it was really this conglomeration of athletics and personal interest and academic interest that finally fused yeah. into a practice. So one thing I, I wanted to really flesh out a little bit there is that you know you wanted to practice medicine in a way that looked at people as being whole and good mm-hmm. from the beginning. That that's just inherently part of our physical, that's what we're all born with. Mm-hmm. And then um, from there, you know, you you um, can help support people do that, to do that and using ways that are not, you know, heavy handed or invasive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is really key because I, I think that... Um, the conventional medical model has its place. I think that it can be really useful if you have like a broken arm or if you have, mm-hmm. um, you know, X, Y, or Z, that's acute care. And, you know, there's a lot that can be done there, but there's so much that can be done outside of there. And I guess what I really want people to get out of this podcast today is that uh, naturopathic medicine is, it, it, it's the whole thing. It's all of it. It's, it's, it's this understanding the conventional care system. It's also this understanding of traditional practices, which are very, very um, helpful and supportive and non-invasive um, and are a way to sort of manage our health over time. Um, because this, this business that I have here, this is, this is about human and environmental sustainability. And, and they kind of, in my mind, go hand in hand. And, and so I think it's, it's um, important when, like it's important to distinguish that naturopathic care they look at people as being whole and good. And mm-hmm. so how do we help maintain that or get that back? How do we get back to that? You yeah. know, I think you're actually um, hinting at one of the biggest differences between the way that I practice medicine and physicians in the conventional side. It's, it's not really, or it's not limited to the modalities that we would use, right? Like it's not the fact that I would lean towards dietary strategies or supplementation or botanical medicine that makes me a naturopath. There are times that I have to pull out my prescription pad. Yeah. Um, The thing that really differentiates how I practice medicine from my conventional counterparts is the philosophy of holism. Right. So I sometimes say to my patients that the biggest difference between my office and someone else's is that I don't look at them as eight systems held together by a bag of skin <laughs> that are somehow unrelated. Uh-huh. No, I mean, you laugh, but it's no, so it's common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in the conventional world, the gastroenterologist is not thinking about your skin. The dermatologist is not thinking about your constipation. Right. Yep. And in my office, I have to understand all of it because the first thing I want to know if you have acne is how often do you use the bathroom? Right. You know, what's going on with your PMS? How are your menstrual cycles? Because all of your systems are so interconnected mm-hmm. that I think of a person as a really complex mobile and we can't possibly pull on one part of it without shifting the whole system. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in my office, I look at you as one whole complete unit, you know, one whole system that works together your mind is included, your emotional state, your stresses, what you eat, how well you sleep, um, how, you know, how your bowels are moving, what your menstrual cycles are like, whether or not you ever want to have sex. Like, they're all part of the same thing. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's, yeah, that's really the difference between what we do yeah. and what maybe an, a yeah. practitioner with a different philosophy would do. Totally, totally. And I, I love that. Especially, like, so many women don't bring so many of those things up to their doctor because their doctor's not going to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to think to ask those questions. They're just going to say, okay, will you have pain in your, you know, um, abdomen? We're going to focus on that. We're only going to look at that and how to solve those symptoms, like how to get rid of those symptoms as though that was the solution to the problem. And it's not. Yeah. Most of the time, it's not. So um, it's just not. So (laughs) not. not, not. Damn it. Listen Listen to me, everyone. Okay. Um, So when you see patients, what what is a common theme? You, You treat women. I treat almost exclusively women, yeah. um, not enti- not 100%, but I'd say about 95% of my practice is women. Yeah. And then some husbands, um, oftentimes husbands that are told by their wives to come in, <laughs> and then occasionally a guy that's just like, no, I really just want to yeah. feel good. Um, the focus of my particular practice is hormonal balance, but I honestly think that that merits clarification, because I think that when women think hormones, they think... PMS and hot flashes, that's it. and that's it. Yeah. When I think hormones, I think anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. fatigue, yeah. um, certainly menstrual concerns, whether that's cramps, irregular cycles, PMS, uh, diminished libido is a big one. I mean, the number of times I ask a woman about her sex drive and she oh laughs, like, does anybody actually enjoy sex? And um, I'm like, well, <laughs> you should. Yeah, um, yeah. And like, what... Um, what a gift to be able to have a sex life because it's just something that we are all conditioned to be very silent about mm-hmm. and not talk about. But I'm telling you, everyone out there, like sex is really awesome and you know, it's like you should like really be enjoying it. Yeah. Something is off if you want. Yeah. You know, I mean, either there's a communication or a relationship issue sure. or there's something hormonal or, you know, but something is off if yeah. there's no pleasure. Right. In, in sex. So I definitely think that that is worth exploring. But, the, you know, the other pieces, though, that I look at, you know, I said fatigue, but weight and the inability to lose weight, mm-hmm. skin symptoms, yeah. right, whether it's acne or hair. So when I say I'm an expert in women's hormones, it it really is like this is what 99% of women seem to deal with yes. because they come into the office and every day I hear things like, I'm so tired of being tired. Yeah. I just don't know what's wrong with me. Who did I become? Yeah. You know, a lot of my patients describe that at one point in their life, they were very vibrant, fulfilled individuals. Yeah. And whether it was through having children or the demands of splitting, like a career and a home life or Mm -hmm. travel or some series of stressful things that happen. Yeah. But somewhere along the way, sometimes suddenly, sometimes in a really insidious process, they forgot who they were and they lost themselves. Yeah. And there's this part of them that's desperate to find like that woman they used to know. Yeah. And so what we do is help them reconnect yeah. to, to that part that's yeah. still in there. Yeah. Just needs a little digging out and a yeah. little uncovering. Yeah. And getting like, um, taking that person who they were and stepping into the present with them because, mm-hmm. You know, I can relate to that in my own way because I was a smoke jumper for 10 years and then I have kids and I just feel so compelled mm-hmm. by raising my children that I like dropped everything that I was right. doing. 
Um, I really wanted to pursue athletic goals, but didn't realize how taxing motherhood was going to be. And it really did. I mean, I really had a lot of (laughs) the surprise of most women's like, wait, motherhood is taxing? (laughs) Well, and the thing is, it it is is not any woman's fault that it's taxing. I mean, Mm -hmm. these are the circumstances that American women, American women are up against, like Mm -hmm. it is really not their fault for having it be as hard as it is. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And there are policies in place that make it hard for people like, uh, like, you know, we are the only industrialized country that doesn't have some family leave act in place. We have nothing. We have bad healthcare coverage for people like, um, postpartum care. It's, it's Mm -hmm. kind of pitiful. Um, I have friends that are raising their children here from foreign countries and the way I think because of their experience as young people in a foreign country being raised uh, in a different system, they're so much more relaxed as parents. Mm -hmm. They're just, they're not hooked by all of the pulls to like do, 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 do more. You're not doing enough. I mean, I think that that oppression kind of gets really amped up when we do become mothers because Mm -hmm we don't feel like we're doing enough. Oh yeah, mommy guilt is a big deal. So we take on all kinds of stuff in addition to having this big, huge job of ushering the next generation into society. Mm-hmm. It's it's crushing. It's quite big. So I just want to add that because I listen to lots of women who just feel bad mm-hmm. about everything all the time and it's really not their fault. But there is some things that we can do about it to help support ourselves and alternative care with a naturopath or seeing, um, you know, a health coach is a really good way to do that. So I digress. I totally jerked us off the, the, the path we were on. Um, so you, what are some of the ways when a patient does come to you, they do have these problems, you know, there's no libido, there's, there's depression and anxiety, um, what are some of the ways that you help them address that? What are the tools in your toolbox? Um, I personally have a system that I follow. It's one that I've refined over the last 10 years. Um, but in, so for me personally, I will spend at least 45 minutes in my new patient visit, sometimes upwards of an hour, sometimes longer, it just depends on the person and their history. But I spend my first hour or so really just gathering information I want to understand where you are now and what was the process that got you here. If we have to go back five years, we go back five years. If we have to go back to when you were five years old, we go back to when you were five years old. Particularly um, weight is one of those issues that might take us back to when you were five years old. What was your relationship with your mom? What was her relationship with food and with body? Did people make fun of you? Were you always skinny and then you had kids and you, everything changed or were you constantly struggling? I mean, so depending on the person, we'll go back as far as we need to go, but I hunt for those clues that tell us these were those pivotal moments that set you up for where you are now. Yeah. And did you want to? No, I just, I just was going to add that a lot of people's relationship with food is pre-verbal because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you think about our first um, a relationship with food is when we're young, helpless, tiny infants, mm-hmm. and we're kind of at the whim of people around us having an understanding of how to feed us. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of people who were fed on a schedule, mm-hmm. um, whether they were hungry or not, or whether maybe mm-hmm. they were starving and they had to wait because their mom was horn swaggled into thinking that mm-hmm. following the schedule was the right thing to do. So, 
if yeah. if somebody can't consciously remember, um, that might be a pre-verbal experience that they sure. had. So yeah, anyways. and we do look at patterns like that too because sometimes, um, and and I do want to come back to kind of that structure, but you know I had a professor in med school point out that if a kid is is nursed or given a bottle every single time they cry, yeah. they'll look for food. This is somebody who will look for food for comfort yeah. later on. Mm-hmm. If somebody is scolded or punished or left alone every single time they cry, they're more likely to restrict on. So you're certainly right that those, you know, it's hard for somebody to give me that history yeah. before they're five, mm-hmm. but we are always looking for those early causes and all of the pivotal incidences along the way. Um, the second step for me is to cast a pretty wide net with labs. I do like to look at nutrients. I will tell my patients, I I use this analogy several times a day, if a carpenter runs out of nails, then they're just leaning boards against each other. And of course, the whole structure will rattle. And it's not that the whole structure is flawed. It's that there's one fundamental component that that might be missing Mm -hmm. that's needed for a lot of components. And so if I can figure out if you're low in a key nutrient and then we can restore those levels, lots of things will take care of themselves. So when I do my labs, I'm doing hormonal assessment, inflammatory assessment, blood Mm -hmm. sugar balance, um, and nutrients. Mm -hmm. And then therapeutically, my first step is simply to replete what is depleted. Mm -hmm. If you're low in iron, if you're really low in vitamin D, I want to give you those things and I want to get out of the way so that I prevent over-treating by trying to give you this for that and this for this other thing. And it also prevents overwhelm. So if we can keep it as simple as possible and not walk out the door with 50,000 different things that you're doing for for your four concerns, (laughs) then I try to do that. And then I'll give somebody maybe two months to see how how much progress can your body make with some nails and screws. And then we fine tune from there. I think the other piece that makes my practice a little bit different, even amongst naturopaths, is that um, because of my time in Florida before moving to Montana... Um, which we don't really need to get into, but in Florida, the practice of naturopathic medicine is not readily available to people. And so I ended up using that time to really look at how does belief and personal point of view about yourself drive your health choices. And so I did a lot of training in eating psychology Mm -hmm. when I was there because I found that I could tell my patients exactly what to eat. But if they go home into an environment that's not supportive of eating differently, then something else is going to take over. Yeah. So I spend a lot of time with my patients trying to understand the environment that they live in mm-hmm. and that they work in. And when I say environment, I mean their home life, their work life, but also their mental life. Like yeah. what are you telling yourself about you right. that has you think that cookies are the only option at the end of a stressful day? Right. And if we can't deal with either that belief or those stresses, then I kind of think that, Asking my patients to change their diets, like kicking them in the knee and not giving them crutches, <laughs> which is me. Yeah, you know, I, so I try I to build that, yeah. up all of the pieces so that they're set up. Mm-hmm. So they actually have a chance at a healthy life yeah. because they know how to build supportive structures. They know how to make things easier. Because I, I mean, I can guarantee I will probably ask you to change your diet mm-hmm. if you come into my office because whatever it was that you were doing before you came in wasn't working right. to the point that you were feeling what you were feeling. Yeah. 
So, I, you know, I do ask people to make some changes, but then I try to give them all of the tools, tools that will to allow them, them to that. succeed yeah. in those changes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how accessible naturopathic mm -hmm. care is, because I think there's a misconception out there that leads people to believe that it is not accessible, that it's mm -hmm. expensive. It's more than going to see their conventional doctor, um, you know, but in Montana in particular, I think it's pretty good. I mean, I think mm -hmm. that most Missoulians are set up if they have health insurance and even if they don't have health insurance to be able to figure out how to get in to a naturopathic's office sure. um, and, and, and all kinds of other practitioners too. But, you know, just for today's purposes, I want to hear from you, like, how accessible is it? Like, how... You know, what is a typical copay and, and, and how much insurance do you take and do you guys do the billing at your office and mm -hmm. what are all the things? So if I'm somebody who is reluctant to go see a naturopath um, because I don't think that I can afford it, I don't think that my insurance is going to cover it, what would you have to say to me? There are a couple things that I would say to you. So those are great questions. In our office at Montana Whole Health, we are in-network providers with almost all insurance companies. I actually can't think of anybody that we're not an in-network yeah. provider yeah. for. Um, even when we are an in-network provider, everybody's insurance policy is a little different. If you have a high deductible, my visit will get applied to deductible. Yeah. And so there is that piece of it. Our rates are actually determined by insurance companies for that reason, because we are in-network providers. If I bill... Um, if I use a code for moderate complexity, it's going to be the same as if your primary care doctor bills a code for moderate exactly. complexity. Exactly. One of the differences is that in my office, I'll probably spend 30 minutes with you on that code instead of seven because I don't have you know three assistants who are doing the little things to check yeah. the boxes so that I can walk in, write a prescription, and walk out. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I mean, the price of our visits are not more yeah. than, I mean, maybe if you're, if you're comparing it, I don't actually can't think of anybody that for whom it would be more if it's, if you're comparing it to a specialist, far less. Um, at the same time, I think for people who have insurance, they have an additional benefit that any labs that I order are likely to be covered. So I personally use an out-of-network lab, so my patients mm -hmm. at most have a risk of about $120 to $150 mm -hmm. on a lab even if I'm ordering labs that might cost several thousand dollars if you didn't have insurance. Yeah. For somebody who has no insurance, then I can't avoid the lab costs, but we do um, time of service rates that are a little bit lower than what we use when we're billing insurance. Mm -hmm. If somebody has an insurance policy that covers us, they're usually looking at anywhere between a $15 and a $30 copay for a visit. And then... Um, yeah, like I said, the labs the labs are usually covered, and then and then it's really just a deductible. It's like, does my policy, you know, if I have a ten thousand dollar deductible, then yeah, I'm gonna get a bill later. But that's gonna be for any provider that you go to, yeah. whether it's the ER, an endocrinologist, or my office. You're still gonna get a bill yeah. at the end of the day, mm -hmm. and so that piece is sometimes tricky. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people honestly don't understand their insurance, mm -hmm. you know. So I do advocate that people call their insurance companies yeah. and say, explain this policy to 
policy to me. If I go to this person, how much are you going to cover? If I go to that person, how much are you going to cover? And a lot of times they find that it's the same coverage. And so then they may as well choose the care that they actually want Mm -hmm. because their insurance is not going to be the limiting factor. Yep. 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 And I remember, I mean, I really don't think I... I embraced like going to see a naturopath until I had kids mm-hmm. and I took my, cause I didn't, I mean, I was healthy and young and I didn't have to, um, really go to the doctor very often. But when you are a new parent, you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, what the heck? And you think I'm going to go to the doctor and you know, I go to the doctor and I would just get like the most insufficient care. I just felt, and I'm not trying to bash on doctors at all, but I just felt so cut short. Like it wasn't at all helpful. And then I started to go see a naturopath for my children. And I was like, wow, they actually gave me tools to not just treat them when they were sick, Mm -hmm. but to keep them healthy. Like my children have been so healthy and I just feel like, wow, that's great. And so then I started going, well, I gosh, as a mom, I really need that because I'm so tired. I'm so strapped for time. And I have like, I, um, I'm an athlete. I'm a physical person. Like I have to be healthy in order to do that. And so I don't have time to be tired. I don't have time to be tired and no, nobody does. So, so, you know, there are just so many tools out there that we can integrate into our everyday lives to kind of to help bolster our well-being over time and not just go to the doctor and have the doctor say, nothing's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Bye. Have a great day. And mm-hmm. you're like, dude, I feel like crap. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just don't even know what the hell to say or what's going on here. So, you know, I want to bring this up. This is, it, I shouldn't say it's funny. There's nothing funny about it, but I used to think that it was a joke that people would say, I went to my doctor and I was told nothing's wrong and prescribed an antidepressant. Oh. I, I mean, I, I honestly did not believe that that really existed because fortunately I had never had that experience. And now that I have been in practice for 10 years, I would say the sad thing is that I see it so often that it doesn't phase me um, anymore. Yeah. At least once or twice a week, I have a new patient in my office who is exhausted, run down, moody, um, you know, feels mildly anxious, but just is not functioning the way that she knows she can function. Yeah. And, you know, the primary care will order some basic labs and say, oh, your blood count's fine. You know, like Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm, probably, mm -hmm. I actually had a patient, I cried when this happened. It was my very first patient living here in Montana. And she had not been to a physician for 10 years because the last time she had gone to a doctor, he told her that she had housewife syndrome and she needed more interesting soap operas. She was so traumatized that she never went back. Oh my gosh. And then eventually her husband was like, no, no, something is wrong and you need to go and I will come with you if that's what it takes. And she came to my office, fortunately. But when she told me that story, I was so shocked that I did. I, I got quite emotional. And I mean, once we did her labs, we realized there were lots of things wrong. Yeah. I and mean, she had, you know, we don't even need to go into it. But now I hear it so often that I'm like, yeah, that's what happens. And I, you know, I have a policy of believing people. If somebody yeah. tells me that something's wrong, if I order labs and I don't find out what it is, I assume that I didn't order the right lab. 
Yeah. It's even possible that the right lab doesn't yet exist. Yeah. Right? There right. are labs exactly. that I order every single day that didn't exist when I was in medical school. Yeah. But I would never tell someone that their labs were fine, so they made up the problem. Yeah. As opposed to maybe we should keep looking. We didn't find the problem. Right. And so that's another thing that, like, I, I mean, I don't want to say that this is unique to naturopaths. I'm sure there are plenty of very well-intentioned, well-trained physicians of, of all kinds. Yeah. But I can definitely say with 100% conviction, in my office, it's taken for granted that you will be respected and believed. That's and right. that is step one. It's that's step right. one in healing. That's right. Believing a person. Absolutely, because that's how the person is going to know that you really, truly are invested in their their health yeah. and their well-being and their recovery mm -hmm. or supporting them to achieve whatever it is they came in there to achieve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that actually just totally gave me chills listening to that because it's true. And I think, you know, the conventional medical model is still and has been for a very long time based off of men you know it's based off of men's bodies mm -hmm. and and the idea is that women are just many men and it's so i mean we make babies people we like nurse those babies our bodies do amazing things and and traditionally have done them very well without any complication sure. so how can we how can we get back to that you know mm -hmm. how can we help support this inherent healthy, vibrant person that's in there, they're there. Crying it's to come out. Dying. <laughs> they want to come out. And and yeah. and so if anybody is listening today and that you've been to your doctor and your doctor runs labs, they're probably and then you're you know you're in there saying, I don't feel great and they're coming back to you with, you know, nothing's wrong. Mm -hmm. Go find a different doctor or go yeah. find a naturopath. Go find a practitioner who's going to listen to you. Go and find anyone else who will <laughs> listen. Because, I mean, it really boils down to if you're a man, a woman, or a child. Yeah. If you don't feel good, something is wrong. That's right. Our human systems were designed for sufficient energy, stable moods, athletic activity. I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to go be a hardcore athlete, but you should be able to move. Yeah. And feel good and walk up and down stairs without pain and get in and out of bed in the morning like it's not even a thought. And you should be able to go hours between meals without reaching into your purse for a granola bar. And getting hangry. And hangry. Yes, hangry is a sign that you have significant hormonal imbalance. Yeah. Let's work with it. Yeah. Right. But if something just feels fundamentally off, even if it's like, oh, well, it's that time. I mean, the number of times that I see women dismiss their experience because yeah. they blame it on their periods yep like periods should be seamless right you should be like oh okay well you know this is the time i you know either insert a cup or a tampon or a pad whatever you choose and aside from you know the the moments that you're thinking about changing whatever application you use to catch the blood like other than that, it shouldn't interfere with your life like yeah yeah you know there are certainly natural times in a woman's cycle where you're more energetic and engaged and vibrant. Outgoing. And yeah, when you're ovulating, you probably want to be around a whole lot of people. Mm -hmm. And there are other times that you might naturally feel a little bit more quiet and introspective. And that's okay. That's okay. That's natural. That's we are great. cyclical. Yes. But to have wild mood swings or to scream at somebody or to be in a puddle of tears or to be in pain, like none of that is natural. Yeah, or to not be able to go after the life that you want 
because, because you're it. hamstrung by yes. Da, 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 da. yes. If you're missing work and choosing outfits based on not bleeding all over yourself, right. like all of these are signs. And right. and I think that one of the things that's really important, I think for women in, in general, is more open and honest communication amongst each other yeah. about what we're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I see, and I have this philosophy about like a feminine approach to medicine that happens in groups mm-hmm. because I, I see so many of the women that I work with holding on to a belief that doesn't help them, mm-hmm. that they are somehow unique and fundamentally flawed for yeah. dealing with whatever challenge they're dealing with. Yes. And you know, like I may hear four times in one day, Oh, this, you'll think this is crazy, but, and I'm like, you're not crazy. It's the third time today I hear it, <laughs> you know, but it's, I, I'll say it as a joke, but the reality is that if I put five women together in the same conversation yep, and they hear, Oh, you too. Yep. Oh, and you too. And you too. And they look at me and they're like, I'm not broken. I'm yeah. not the only person in the world who's dealing with these thoughts, this fatigue, this challenge with my kid, this distance from my partner, like whatever it is that they're dealing with. And they, and they relax into like, oh my gosh, I guess I'm just human. Yeah. And we're, we're in this together. I'm not in it alone. And then they're able to start making more proactive choices because they're not hung up on a belief that I'm broken mm-hmm. for feeling what I'm feeling. No, listen, listen up. Nobody <laughs> out there is broken. There are things that are broken, but it is not you. And I think that the other thing I'd like to add to that, because I everything you're saying, yes, 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 a thousand yeses, is sexism has affected all of us. Nobody got out of life not being affected by it. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that it has done to us, it has taught us all to be very quiet about our health, our sexuality, our bodies, you know, um, we all just kind of take it inside and hold it, hold it in. And we don't talk about it until we're like, okay, well, I just felt like maybe I was going to stab my husband in the neck mm-hmm. at dinner, you know, um, maybe something's off or I'm super tired. You know, they come, they come with all these symptoms. Right. Um, and so, so at that point they're ready to address it. But before that, you know, we're all, <laughs> we're all just conditioned to stop it. Mm-hmm. And like, Engage with the world like men, you know, like be aggressive, be out there, be taking on a thousand different things and also raising kids, which requires really different frames of mind. Totally. And when you say nobody gets out of this unscathed, I think that, I think that as women, it's really important for us to realize that our, our male friends, same thing. Exactly. They're, they're also not getting out of it unscathed because the few men that I work with will sometimes come into my office and there's a deep sense of shame over yeah. the fatigue or the challenge that they have because they're expected to man up yeah. and to be men about it all. And yeah. like, you don't have, you don't have time or, you know what I mean? Like, so it's very different. Mm-hmm. And yet I think that it's, it's really important for us to recognize that when we're quiet, the potential for suffering is universal. You know, it's, I mean, you're totally right that a lot of women deal with all of this and I happen to work almost exclusively with women. So I see a lot of it. Yeah. But from the men that I work with, I could unequivocally, unequivocally say 
men are just as negatively impacted by social structures that I say that agree. men should perform and women should whatever. Like just the word should mm-hmm. is really unhelpful yeah. in our lives, yeah. I think. And we yeah. should all over ourselves. And <laughs> and it's tough it's, and it's exhausting and it's depleting. Yeah. And I think if we all could figure out ways to, to turn away from the shoulds and to more more of like, what do I need? Mm-hmm. What do I need? Like, and not just, you know, do I need water, you know, beyond our basic needs, but like, what do I need as a human being to be, you know, yeah. um, to function well? And yeah. a lot of that's just like human connection and, totally. and, and recognizing when you have a need for water is actually equally useful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. All of it. You know, and, and it's actually another thing that I think, um, worth mentioning here is that something that I do try to do with my patients and some are more interested than others. I think everyone is equally capable of it, but I do try to teach my patients how to listen to their own bodies Mm -hmm. so that at some point they don't need me. Yeah. You know, taking a supplement because Dr. DeLilly told you to is a terrible reason to take a supplement. Yep. Yeah. However, when somebody can say, like, I, I will tell my patients, we're going to do a six-week experiment. I want you to change your diet in these couple of ways. And you're going to do it 100% for six weeks, and then we're going to find out, did it, like, did it change something enough that it's worth continuing? And then go back for a little while and find out, do you feel just as good or do you not feel as good anymore? And the point is that I think that from the time we are knee-high to a grasshopper, we are trained in some ways to give our personal power over to this thing that in quotes we would call experts. Yeah. You know, and so whether it's the teacher or the police officer or the politician or the person with initials behind their name or the white coat or whatever it is, instead of looking inside and saying, you know, what happens here? Mm-hmm. We say, what do you think I should do? And I think the biggest proof of that is that for 40 years, for 40, that is not, I'm only 40 years old, okay? That is not an insignificant amount of time. We were told that the solution for losing weight was to eat a low-fat diet, low calories, and to exercise more. Yeah. And we all looked around and we saw everybody failing. Everybody failed at that approach. And yet we try it and go, well, it didn't work for me. I must be the problem. Yeah. Let me try again. Let me try harder. Totally. But if every single expert's telling me that this is what works, then the problem must be me. The problem was that all of these experts were wrong. That from the top down, it was bad information. And had yeah. we simply been trained to go, well, that's not working for me. Maybe I should try something else. Then we would have prevented an epidemic of obesity, cardiovascular disease, autoimmunity, like you name it, it got worse during those 40 years. Totally. But I see it even now, you know, like I had a phone consult with a a prospective patient not that long ago and she had an autoimmune condition and she said, do you think that eating wheat could make this worse? 
Because if I don't eat wheat for a month, I don't have pain. But when I eat it, Mm. everything's excruciating. But my rheumatologist said it couldn't be related. And I was like, well, why don't you just listen to what you said to me? Like, you don't need me to answer that question. You just answered it. Totally. If I don't do this, I feel great. If I do it, I feel terrible. Yeah. Who cares what I tell you or what some other doctor or what a health, like what any, no practitioner has that on you. But if we start to cherish and respect and listen to and give weight to our own direct personal experience, we will find answers. Yeah. You know, so I see myself and I see someone like you and I see other practitioners because I refer a lot, but I see all of these people as guides. We can offer tools. We can say, hey, try this thing that you never thought to try. Um, you know, I might be able to teach you something that gives you context for understanding your symptoms. But at the end of the day, your experience and your experience alone tells us what's working. And I think that that's really powerful medicine. Like for everyone to hear, oh, my experience counts. Yeah. And that's so important. I mean, it's important not just with your health. Right? With your relationships, with your kids, yeah. with your interests, with your career choices. You know, when people start to go, oh, when I'm around you, I shrink and I feel terrible. And when I'm around this other person, I feel great. Do you need to read a self-help book <laughs> to figure out boundaries? You know, or could you just go, wow, my, you know, mm-hmm. what's happening in my system is valid. Yeah. Absolutely. There's nothing more important than I could ever teach my patients than that. Yeah. I love that you just said that. And uh, I think it's exactly right. And, um, you know, I think that is something that um, so many people who are interested in naturopathic care, alternative care, um, health coaching, stuff like that, was that we are all interested in giving people the steering wheel back to their own well-being and I think that it's there it's there for everybody and sometimes it's there's layers that are thicker than others and it's harder and sometimes it's easier sometimes it's hardly anything and you're like oh well oh well that those those minor adjustments I made created these shifts and and I'm off and running and so yeah I just think it's great I love everything you had to say that's so awesome so glad that you came today and um yeah, the contact information to get in touch with Don at Montana Whole Health will be in the notes. Um, if you have any comments or questions, please leave them. Uh, you can message me or you can leave them in the comment section below. But uh, thanks for joining us today. This is Jesse with Sustainable Wellness signing off. I hope that you guys all got something good here today. Thanks.